Every time Tom Jones tries to leave, we pull him back in. Tommy, I had to have your expertise on this one. Uh, on Wednesday, uh, Yahoo Finance interviews Drew Brees, and he was asked how the NFL should respond if uh, players kneel during the national anthem amid all these protests over George Floyd, uh, who, of course, the, the man who died in police custody last week in Minneapolis. If you remember, that happened you know, four years ago with Colin Kaepernick, was trying, trying to draw attention to uh, social and racial injustice. Here's what Breeze had to say. Well, I, I will I will never agree with anybody um, disrespecting the flag of the United States of America or our country. Um, let me let me just tell you what I see or what I feel when the national anthem is played and when I look at the the flag of the United States. I envision my two grandfathers who fought for this country during World War II, one in the Army and one in the Marine Corps, both risking their lives to protect our country and to try to make our country and this world a better place. So every time I stand with my hand over my heart, looking at that flag and singing the national anthem, that's what I think about. And in many cases, it brings me to tears, thinking about all that has been sacrificed, not just those in the military, but for that matter, those throughout the civil rights movements of the 60s and everyone and all that has been endured by so many people up until this point. And is everything right with our country right now? No, it's not. We still have a long way to go. But I think what you do by standing there and showing respect to the flag with your hand over your heart is it shows unity. It shows that we are all in this together. We can all do better. And that we are all part of the solution. Tom, this was met with unbelievable reaction throughout uh, the NFL from teammates in particular, Malcolm Jenkins, who we'll hear from in just a minute. Um, first and foremost, like, what did you make of what, what Breeze had to say, reiterating the fact that, uh, and I guess the key term is here, I will never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag of the United States or our country, et cetera. Rick, I just found Drew Breeze's comments to be uh, incredibly tone deaf. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's just, I think, if you're an African-American and you've been talking about this issue for, I don't know, what, 400 years now? Um mm. And you suddenly see a guy who takes what you're protesting and makes it about something else that you never said it was about. And that's the thing I keep coming back to. You know, Rick, yeah. I, I wrote a lot of columns about this back when Colin Kaepernick right. uh, decided to kneel. He said at the time, this is about racial injustice. This is about the police. Right. It has nothing to do with the military. It has nothing to do with the flag. And people turned it into that. I yeah. think in part, Rick, because they didn't like what he was talking about to begin with. But they made it about something that Colin Kaepernick never said it was about. And Drew Brees' comments, to me, Rick, came off as dismissive once again of what African Americans are trying to get across to people. Yeah, it was four years ago. Four years ago this this occurred. And you're exactly right with respect to, you know, the way that Kaepernick uh, demonstrated uh, or his protest, the manner in which he did it. And and he said very clearly this was about the very same thing that they're protesting today, which is social injustice, in particular black people getting killed um, by white policemen. Um, and, you know, what's interesting about that, the person who conceived the idea for Colin Kaepernick to kneel in the first place, oh, yeah, that would be a U.S. Army Green Beret named Nate Boyer, who was their long snapper at the time. You know, Kaepernick uh, thought of various ways. Uh, you know, he was sitting first and foremost um, during the national anthem. He wasn't standing with the rest of his teammates. There was discussion about him maybe not coming out until the anthem was over. That sort of thing. Um, and and it, and it, but it, they, you know, I think because of the emotions that that song and that flag represents to a lot of people, not the least of which many that are in the military. It almost was if people, some people, used that to drown out the real, the real purpose of this protest. Absolutely. In other words, it was a peaceful protest. It wasn't uncomfortable. Sure, which ones aren't right? They, if they're um, not uncomfortable, Rick, they don't have an impact. Exactly. I mean, protests are not supposed. If they're if they're conveniently uh, t- for everybody, then the message doesn't get out there. If we don't notice it, right. what's the point of it? Right. When when Tommy Smith raised his fist, right, right, um, 
you know, at the Olympics during the national. I mean, that's the sort of thing that gets noticed. They use their, you know, athletes and, and, and others, actors, you name it, use whatever platform they have to raise attention to this social injustice, which, look, I've never seen in my lifetime. Um, obviously, these issues have gone on way before I was born in 250 years in this country. But in my lifetime, I've never seen protests like this. And what I mean by it is not only the size and the scope, right, um, but almost the unity. Like this feels like an opportunity. This feels different. You have all walks of life marching, right? Um, I was listening to Barack Obama uh, did like a town hall and spoke for about 15 minutes. And he's always been one to remind people because there's been a lot of comparisons to the 60s, right? Um, with with some of the looting and the burning of the cities and um, you know stores and, and things like this, which no one agrees with, um, but the massive protests and things. And what he is always trying to remind people of is that look, these protests don't look like those. And what he meant by that is they were totally segregated, right? Um, there was a large segment of of, of uh, African Americans that were marching. Uh, and and um, you know, getting beat up by police during those mar- like there was a lot of violence. There was a lot of, of basically segregated you know uh, viewpoints, um, and you know that looked a lot different than any of these protests. And as a society, we have evolved quite a bit, not enough clearly, um, and some of the same problems that have existed for lo these many years we saw obviously um, filmed and have seen filmed over and over again. And so, so Drew Brees, you know, he, he's a leader of a football team and he's a leader of an NFL team, Tom, which is 75% African American. And his teammates did not hold back on him at all. No, they didn't hold back on him. And I, and I don't think a lot of people, the city of New Orleans, I don't think is going to hold back on him. And it's like, Rick, do I think Drew Brees is a bad guy? No. I, I don't. But this goes back to the whole thing is is he just, I don't think he just he just doesn't get it. Right. And a lot of us don't get it for a long time. And this is what mm-hmm. I think people of color have been trying to explain yeah. is that you don't understand what our struggle is. You don't understand what this fight is about. Mm-hmm. And in this particular case, when Drew Brees makes the comments that he made, uh, it's again, it comes off as dismissive. It comes off as this is more. My cause is more important than your cause. Mm-hmm. I don't like I disagree with what you're doing. It's not even it's not even a, that I'm not even saying he disagrees with what they are protesting about. I don't right. think he does. But when when you react the way he did by telling people like uh, that, you know, I, you start talking about your grandparents. Right. And how they served in. In the wars, so did your teammates' grandparents. That's right. You know, it's not about that. It's not about the military. We keep telling people this. Yeah. They keep saying they keep wanting to turn it into their protest. It's not their protest. And so, I again, I, I think the the one of the big complaints, and certainly valid complaints, that African Americans and people of color have had over the years, like you're just not listening to us. Right. <laughs> And Are you listening this is, now? This yeah. is an example of mm-hmm. after everything, Drew Brees is saying, "I hear what you're saying, but let's protest." Like, Another what we way. have to do? Check with Drew Brees. Like, hey, can we protest? <laughs> is, would this be okay? How about this, Drew? Like, we, we, let's not <laughs> offend right. you with our right. protests. You know, I mean, <laughs> right? That's where I think he's going to have a, a hard time getting around because he came off as dismissive. It means he's unwilling to consider that these protests were never about disrespecting the flag. He says, "I will never." And when you say when you say never, never is is a tough thing to back up. Here's the most impassioned. Now you, I think you just hit on something, Rick, and I I yeah. think I think you need to emphasize it because I think you're right. When somebody says, "I will never," that means right. their minds are closed. That they're means closed. they're not even willing mm-hmm. to listen to what the other point is. When you say, "I will never," will never. Mm-hmm. Accept that, and and that's an issue. And Malcolm Jenkins, who is a former teammate and now current teammate, he's left the Eagles. He's going to rejoin the New Orleans Saints uh, this season in 2020. He had the most impassioned response. Took it down from Instagram, put it back up, um, so that people could could really hear the raw emotion. Listen to what Malcolm Jenkins and how he explains 
his disappointment with Drew Brees and and why um, he feels that uh, well that his quarterback really was too dismissive and 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 frankly doesn't get it. Yeah, I promise you this. The onslaught of that we have to deal with is crazy right now. Drew Brees, if you don't understand how hurtful, how insensitive your comments are, you are part of the problem. To think that because your grandfathers served in this country and you have a great respect for the flag, that everybody else should have the same ideals and, and, and thoughts that you do is ridiculous. And it shows that you don't know history. Because when our grandfathers fought in, for this country and served, and they came back, they didn't come back to a hero's welcome. They came back and got attacked <clears throat> for wearing their uniforms. They came back to people, to racism, to complete violence. And then here we are in 2020 with the whole country on fire. Everybody witnessing a black man dying at the hand, being murdered at the hands of the police with his just in cold blood for everybody to see. The whole country's on fire. And the first thing that you do is criticize one's peaceful protest. That was years ago when we were trying to signal a, a, a sign for help and signal for our allies and our white brothers and sisters, the people we consider to be friends, to get involved. It was ignored. And here we are now with the world on fire and you still continue to first criticize how we, peaceful pro how we peacefully protest because it doesn't fit in what you do and your beliefs without ever acknowledging that a fact that the man was murdered at the hands of police in front of us all and that it has been continuing for centuries that the same brothers that you break the huddle down with before every single game the same guys that you bleed with and go on a battle with every single day go home to communities that have been <coughs> decimated Drew un uh, unfortunately Unfortunately, you're somebody who doesn't understand their privilege. You don't understand the potential that you have to actually be an advocate for the people that you call brothers. You don't understand the history and why people like me, people with my skin color, whose grandfather fought for this country, who served, and I still protested against that, against the, not against the national anthem, but against what was happening in America and what our, the fabric of this country is for, or stands for. If you don't understand that other people experience something totally different than you. Then when you talk about being the brotherhood and all this other bullshit, it's just lip service or it's only on the field. Because when we step off of this field and I take my helmet off and I'm a black man walking around America and I'm telling you I'm dealing with these things, I'm telling you my communities are dealing with these things. And your response to me is, don't talk about that here. This is not the place. Drew, where is the place, Drew? I'm disappointed. I'm hurt. Because while the world tells you that you're not worthy, that your life doesn't matter, the last place you want to hear from are the guys that you that you go to war with and that you consider to be allies and to be your friends. Even though we're teammates, I can't let this slide. Tom, I don't I didn't never heard anybody uh really explain it the way Malcolm just did there. If you can't feel uh, exactly what he means and how disappointed he is in those statements, then you're not paying attention. And I thought just the way he, he began, you know, which was, you know, Drew, if you don't understand how hurtful and insensitive your comments are, you're part of the problem. That's what they have been saying during these protests. You're not listening. You're, you're uh, focused on the wrong things. You're, you know, you're not 
really hearing us. Um, and, you know, the, 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 the notion that, you know, as he said, his grandfathers fought alongside Drew Brees's, but they had totally different experiences when they came back from that war or any other conflict. And, and that's because of the racism that existed then and still exists, exists today. And so it's not about who wore the uniform. Tom, you and I did radio during this time. I remember many, many shows about Colin Kaepernick, who, by the way, never got a job in the NFL, right? Right. Um, there was a player from Chicago Bears, his name escapes me, that tweeted something like, look, uh, all I know is at the time, Cap was coming off a couple Super Bowls, couldn't get a job. We signed Mike Glennon. Mike, poor Mike Glennon. His name was actually trending on Twitter at one point. He did nothing. He did and absolutely he looked up nothing. And he's like, really? <laughs> but, I, but I mean, the, it's still, I, mean, and it's I, I don't true. mean to laugh about a very serious topic here, but it's Mike, true, poor though. Mike Glennon. Yeah. Hey, look. How did I he, get? Blaine, he backed, Blaine Gabbert backed up Colin Kaepernick one year. And the next That's year, right. Blaine Gabbert had, still in football. had a job. Now he's backing up Tom Colin Brady. Colin Kaepernick did not. Yeah. So you you know you know and and that's the thing, and I think we talked about this a little bit um, the last couple of days. But I mean, this is the thing where the NFL comes across as disingenuous, right? They're all in on this. Boy, they really they want to support you know equal rights and social injustice. They want to get behind uh, reform and all these things, and yet they fired a guy, they blackballed a guy, right, right. for protesting peacefully. He didn't loot. He didn't riot. He didn't call for looting and riots, right? Which I still maintain is a small minority of opportunists and and maybe some people that that want to create, um, you know, this sort of image. But you know, it it, it just it is. It, there's a tone deafness here, and and I wonder. You've covered team sports a long time, so have I, and I've covered the NFL mostly uh, in my career. How do you think ultimately this plays? Does does Drew Brees, you know, he was the guy in the huddle, you know, he was the guy with the chance and the, you know, you know, win, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Does he get it back? Is there a way he can sit down in front of his teammates? Because I didn't think his his text message to ESPN or whatever his attempt at clarification really did much for him here. I, Rick, I think this sticks with him for a really long time and yeah. I don't know what he what he can do to fix it other mm-hmm. than coming out and saying you know what I've been incredibly ignorant and naive over the years and I'm just going to shut up and I'm going to listen to you guys for a while right I, I, and that's the only thing but I, like we were talking about it before we we started taping this podcast Rick is that there was a, there was this feeling for a long time that after his career was over he'd go into broadcasting right I don't know that that happens now you know, he's. Yeah. I think he's become a really polarizing figure at this point. And you know, as I was listening to Malcolm Jenkins, it mm-hmm. made me think of something. You know, when Thursday night, I was when when things really started blowing up around the country, and and things got really, um, uh, you know, the situation in Minneapolis really started to bubble over. Yeah. Um, Van Jones came on the next morning on CNN, and right. he was talking about the type of sort of tone deafness and, and type of, and I'm not going to call Drew Brees a racist. I, I, I can't call anybody a racist because I, you know, we don't know what's in people's hearts, but as Van Jones was saying, look, this isn't, it's not about like people wearing white hoods and burning crosses in yards. Like you can see that racism coming and mm-hmm. it's, but that's not, that racism might not be as dangerous as the, the woman in the park who's a Hillary Clinton supporter and seems to be politically correct, but as soon as a black man approaches her, she calls nine one one and saying she's being harassed by an African American. This is this is kind of subtle dismissiveness that Drew Brees was talking about. And I watched Malcolm Jenkins, and this is what this is what people are saying: like you don't get it, Drew. This is the part why this country, I think, is 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 where it is. Yeah. Most people are not outwardly. I don't think, you know intentionally racist but all of us like if you don't see color i i don't don't think that's true even van jones was saying like we all see color Mm -hmm. and you know drew Brees is has a chance he he had a chance today to really 
bring help bring people together, and he made it worse somehow. And I and I think his teammates are going to remember this for a really long time. Rick, you're, you're around guys. I've seen guys make mistakes. We've had players, and I wish I could remember the name. There was a player a couple of years ago. I believe he was an Eagles guy. Went to Florida, mm-hmm. and he was at a concert. And he got caught saying the N word or something like that. Right, wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Wide receiver, and I don't know. Eventually, maybe you know, we've had other players around the league. I think Kerry Collins had a situation once where he said the N-word, um, that stuff doesn't, it follows you around. And I think with Drew Brees, you know, I, again, I'm not calling him a racist, but I, I think his teammates are pretty disappointed. And I, I think he has a hard time getting by this. Yeah, the guy you're talking about is Riley Cooper. Yeah. I, and he actually um, had a cup of coffee with the Bucks in training camp one time. and They didn't keep him, but um, he did, he did, sort of make amends with some of his teammates. He continued to play for the Eagles, but he wasn't a quarterback, Tom. No. And here's the thing. I mean, Drew Brees, like you said. He's not, not only not a quarterback, face of the franchise, all-time face of the franchise. A face of New Orleans, face of an entire city, okay? A Absolutely. city that has as much r- racial struggles as maybe any in America, right? Short of, mm-hmm. say, Baltimore. I don't know. Um, but but it is it is a city that's been through a lot. He was the focal point, as were the Saints, in the recovery after Hurricane Katrina uh, when he arrived, him and Sean Payton. Uh, and, and, you know, we know uh, the identity um, that Drew Brees has with New Orleans, maybe second only, or second only to the, the Mannings, right? Right. Which is the first family of New Orleans, although none of those guys, except for Archie, actually played there. Right. Um, but, but, I mean, that's the sort of and, – and he has – this is not about – you know, is he a good guy? Are you a good guy? Did you live a good life? Did you help people? No, he's done all those things. And I think he is a good guy. But I think this has been sort of why these problems have persisted because you really aren't, you know, we really have no way of understanding. I think Van Jones did a good job of this on CNN uh, when I watched him uh, of, of trying to explain, you know, everyday occurrences that things they have to worry about right and tell their kids about and and have the talk you know i don't think i'll ever have the talk or hasn't i haven't had the talk with my son about hey if you get pulled over by a cop you know or if you get on an elevator with somebody or you know i mean those aren't things that we typically think of and that's Maybe maybe what they would consider white privilege and 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 other things that that you don't put yourself in those positions. But it's time it's time that people do, and and I found it interesting that so many um, white athletes and and others in in walks of life have tried to come out and say, I don't know. I've been sitting back. They all seem to sound the same after a while. You know, I've been sitting back and kind of wondering what I could say and how I should say it and listening. And they just vow to do better. It's uncomfortable. It's a race. Race in America is an uncomfortable conversation, um, and yet, in a locker room, in an NFL locker room with a quarterback, the quarterback position is one of leadership just by virtue of the position. It doesn't matter who's back there; they have to be a leader because they touch the ball on every play. When you have a guy like Breeze that has the all-time passing record, that's done what he's done in this league. And and has done a lot for the city of New Orleans and others, um, but you have this thing, right? What could he say now? In other words, this could well be his last year with the Saints, his last year in football, it's his twentieth season. There was debate about whether he was going to come back. I was convinced he wasn't, but he did. But they do have two other quarterbacks, and maybe neither one can play as well as Drew Brees. But one is Taysom Hill, and the other, by the way, is Jameis Winston. Who is African American? Who would think that, like, at this, we'd be talking, you know, a couple months before training camp or a new season yeah. starts, that, that Jameis Winston would be, this might not, be the, oper- not the most controversial quarterback in the room. In that room. In yeah. that room. Right. You know, with Drew Brees. Now, this is a guy that ate W's uh, at the <laughs> Mercedes Benz Dome, seriously, and got, and, you know, got just absolutely ridiculed. Nothing like Drew Brees is going through right now. Nothing, nothing that will have the legs that this may have. And we're, you know, in a perfect world, the NFL hopes to come back by training camp, which is usually at the end of July. We're right. not that many weeks away. He's going to have to face those teammates. And how about other guys in the league that are playing against them? 
No, it's not going to go well, Rick. And, and again, like people say stupid things. Sometimes people say things that unintentionally, unintentionally. This seemed very, um, a man who was very sure of himself. I mean, right. I, these are, I believe his absolute true feelings. This wasn't, he didn't misspeak. We no. didn't take it out of context. We didn't misunderstand him. He wasn't actually, he was making a point about something else and we're turning it into this. Like that happens right. on topics like race sometimes or on controversial topics or sure. things that people don't agree on. This seems, I mean, it was pretty clear, you know, mm-hmm. and it wasn't, and here's the thing, Rick, it, it would have been so easy for him to, to not have fallen into the hole that he fell in. And that mm-hmm. was to say, look, I'm going to stand for the national anthem because that's yeah. my belief. That's what I believe. But right. I understand my teammates who want to. Sure. I and, have tolerance for that. And, I, yeah. and I, not only do I tolerate, I support their right to do sure. so. But to say that not only, not only am I going to stand, but I think you're wrong if you don't stand. That's, that's the part where Drew B's got to, you don't have to. You don't have to agree with other people, but no, don't tell them that no. they're wrong for doing it. And that's right. where I think he's going to have a hard time getting over Well, it. and I think Jenkins put it well when he said, I'm telling you, my communities are dealing with these things. And your response to me is, don't talk about that here. This is not the place. <laughs> then where is the place, Drew? Exactly. You know? I, I went back to my line of, and this is what I, when people, when I wrote these columns about supporting Colin Kaepernick and saying, I yeah. get that people who were in the military, and I used to get a lot of, like I would get a, a bunch of letters from people who were in the military. I've never yeah. served. So let's be clear right. with that. My dad right. did. Your your you, dad your did. Your dad was at Normandy? My Is dad was true? at Normandy. Yeah, like the second wave. No he idea. wasn't like, oh, he I wasn't like the Saving Private Ryan first guy off the boat, but well, that was in the, a movie in the second wave. But yeah, I, no, but listen, I, I don't care what wave he was in. <laughs> he fought in yeah. World War II against the old. Germans in Normandy at 18. 18 years old on the beaches. Yeah, no. The he greatest was, generation. Exactly. And yeah. I have respect for the, and I have respect for the military. I have good friends who are police officers in who work right. in law enforcement. Your son is thinking about yeah, a career he's, in law he's study, He just got his degree in criminal justice and, and right. wants to go into law enforcement. But I would get letters, Rick, from mm-hmm. from military people who would say, you know, that's disrespectful. That's not what I fought for. And then I get a bunch of letters from military people who said, this is exactly what I was fighting for. Exactly. The rights for people to peacefully protest. Look, Rick, the, the, the whole reason I believe that we that people fight for our, for this country and yeah. what makes this country so great is that we do have these rights. It does. It is what separates us right. from authoritarian governments or from dictatorships. This right to peacefully protest and to express yourself was so important, Rick. The founding fathers made it the very first amendment. It's the first yeah. thing that yeah. they said. And so if we can't protest, if we yeah. can't protest peacefully, what's the point of fighting? Like, what are we fighting for? Right. And so that's to go back to Drew Brees is, I get it. You're uncomfortable. It's supposed to be uncomfortable. I get that you want to respect the flag go ahead i'm not stopping you right you're perfectly well within your rights and most people would applaud you for it sure and i got no problem with people who want to support the military and support the, i stand for the national anthem right but don't i don't think we should tell other people particularly when their beef isn't with the military it isn't right. with disrespecting the flag that they're wrong in what they do and that's that's well said and we 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 got calls i remember um during this time we're on radio and, and, and veterans would call in people who were even active duty people that were serving. They said, look, for me, this has never been about a piece of fabric. You know, it's never been about the flag. I wear, you know, I wear it on my uniform. People come home in coffins, you know, mm-hmm. after serving with that flag. And it means a lot. And I, I have neighbors, um, my, some of my best friends in this neighborhood. It's incredible how many people, in my neighborhood up here in Lutz served or serve in the military right now. And I know they stand for the national anthem, Tom, and I, I respect them for it in their living rooms. When the ball game is on. Sure. In their living rooms, yeah. they stand up, put their hands over their heart. Mm-hmm. So I know what it means to them. And they didn't like Kaepernick at all. Still don't. Okay. That's fine. But we talked to a lot of veterans. I had four uncles that all served in world war two. Um, and, a lot of them said, look, you know, it was about the freedom we were fighting for. It wasn't about 
the flag or 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 the anthem. It was about the right, you know, uh, that came with uh, being American, and and what we were fighting for were were was the freedom, even the freedom to burn that flag. Sure, if if that's what you do. Now, if you can if you can celebrate that, as they say in the American president, then you can talk about the land of the free and the home of the brave. Um, and no one's at. I wouldn't do it. It's not something I really want to do, or would think about doing. But the freedom is there, and that freedom is what separates us and makes us the greatest nation on earth. And if, so, if we sit there, Rick, and and decide which protests are okay and which protests are not okay, and which yeah. causes we can support and which causes we don't, like nobody, right. is, like nobody, you and I, neither one of us would sit it would support the Ku Klux Klan standing on a corner. No. Marching about white supremacy. No. I would not support that. But I defend that right because at some point I'm going to stand up for something that I think is important. That's right. And it might very well be important. And I don't want somebody telling me, no, you can't do that. The whole point of being able to protest is everybody has a voice. Again, and people might say, well, Drew Brees is just expressing his opinion. He can have that opinion. Don't get me wrong. He can. No, ha- he's I, fine to have it. I'm not saying he should be thrown in jail. Right. I'm just saying he made things worse with those mm-hmm. comments. It's mm-hmm. and the you know, same thing with um, it was a Vic Fangio, the, the oh. head coach of the Denver Broncos, who he had to come out with an, an apology. He did, and again, I'm not going to sit here and say like, look, Vic Fangio. I'm sure he's thinking about his experience as a as, as a, a coach. coach. Mm-hmm. He started off in high school. And then right. he worked his way up into college. Then he became an assistant coach. And yeah. he's been in, like, in football like since, I mean, a long time, 40 years, before he finally got a job as yeah. a head coach. He's looking at his own experience like, look, I worked my way. It's all, about, uh, you know, it's all about meritocracy in the locker room and everything. But to sit there and say football doesn't have a, a problem. Well, if yeah. it didn't have a problem, they wouldn't have a Rooney rule that they're constantly trying to fix. That's a great point. And so – Again, this isn't outward racism. This isn't like okay, right. I'm gonna, I'm I'm not gonna play that guy because he's black, or I'm not gonna. This is these are the, again, just the the blindness to it. You don't even see it, and right. that's the problem. And as Malcolm Jenkins says, you know, yeah, we're all teammates here, and it's true that you know, you you know, in in team sports, you do get to know teammates as as people. You know, and and so that's a good that's the good thing about team sports, right? Uh, I you know, if you play with people of a different race, you you come to see them as as somebody that you would go to battle with every day and bleed with every day, and 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 uh, and, and you get to know them personally because you spend so much time with them, which is a good thing. Um, but what happens when the uniform comes off and you go your separate ways? Right. You know what I mean? Like their life isn't the same as yours. Uh, and and I think that's that's the, was the part that Malcolm was trying to to point is that hey man is it just on the field is it just when we're all wearing the same uniform that you feel united with us you know right because because if it, that that's all it is you're missing something here you're missing a big point that was interesting Aaron Rodgers of all people right mm-hmm. not necessarily an activist you would say that's not the first you know adjective that comes to your mind when you think of Aaron Rodgers. He quickly came out after Drew Brees, <clears throat> to which I wonder if the Packers play the Saints this year. It's going to be interesting. But he came out and said, um, look, a few years ago, we were criticized for locking arms in solidarity before the game. That's what the Packers did. Right. And he said, it's never been about an anthem or a flag, not then, not now. Listen with an open heart. Let's educate each other and then turn um, words and thought into action. And so, <clears throat> you know, and there was no limit to the number of people weighing in and weighing on top of Drew Brees um, after, you know, after this statement. And again, I know, you know, uh, and, and, and I, this is always an uncomfortable topic when you, when you talk, when, when you talk about sports and people, you know, the stick to sports guy and the, you know, who cares what you think guy. Uh, and I, and for the most part, you know, we enjoy talking about games and we enjoy talking about athletes and um but you can't dismiss what's going on in the world and that's why you know we spent some time on this and it it's supposed to make you uncomfortable it's supposed to be a, a you know a conversation right 
Um, and, and I think too, too often people judge, oh, this guy leans this way or that guy leans that way. It's really not about that. It's just there is no one that I've talked to at least that thinks murder is okay, <laughs> right? Right. And so everybody should be on the side of human rights, right? I mean, who, who roots against human rights, you know? Um, everybody should be on the side of law and order, by the way, right? Who sure. roots for a business to be destroyed and somebody's dream of owning a business to be wiped out in a few seconds because some opportunist or criminal decides to lob, you know, a Molotov cocktail in, into, you know, a gas station. Nobody's for that either, right? But we have to be able to understand and be able to appreciate everybody's viewpoint here and, and, and for our part, listen more. And I think that's the thing. It came across as, Drew, you're not really listening. Right. You know? I think the other thing, too, is to, it's like we need to, to use a sports analogy. We need to keep our eye on the ball here. Like, yeah. we're not talking about the anthem today, okay? That's not no, what this is. We're not talking no. about the military today. We're not, or even we're, Colin Kaepernick and whether no. he should play in the NFL. We're That's talking not what about it's about. George Floyd. We're talking about racial injustice. We're talking about right. police brutality. We're yeah. talking about, this is the topic of the day. That's right. We'll get to the other topics another day. But sure. for right, right now, this moment in time, the reason people all across the country are marching in the streets, for the most part peacefully, it's mm-hmm. about this particular topic. So quite frankly, Drew and everybody, I don't want to hear about the flag right now. I don't want to yeah. hear about the military or disrespect. Four years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If we're going to talk about people kneeling, let's talk about cops kneeling on people's throats. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to, to talk about. So Drew Brees, and I, I mean, I'm sure people will dismiss it as at some point as saying, well, he sort of got baited into it. The guy asked him a question about yeah. it. Like he's a grown man. He's 42 years old or whatever he is. Right. You, he could have navigated his way and made, again, make things better. The other day we were talking, Rick, you and I were on a podcast the other day and we were talking about who are the athletes in, in the Tampa Bay area. And one of them, we mentioned Steven Stamkos at one point. And, and at that point, at that he, point had he had not said, not said Right. Had not mm-hmm. said anything. Came out the next day with a statement that, I mean, I read it. It At the end of the day, did, did it make a huge difference in the world? No. Probably not. But I was relieved that he said something, and it was a yeah. it was an appropriate response. He mm-hmm. didn't claim to have all the answers, but he right. acknowledged. Like I was good to see Stephen Stamp because like I'm just acknowledge it, you know. Now what, a, if had, what if he hadn't? What if I he hadn't? What if he probably wouldn't have jumped. This him. is sort of where I, I struggle because are we now going to take names of people who said nothing? I mean, I think oh. that's a dangerous thing to do. Like, look, the Knicks are getting crushed right now because at first James Dolan came out, right. the owner. Who can't seem to do anything right? No, he really came can't. out with a state, you know, statement like or an internal memo that yeah. basically said, "Look, I'm not commenting because who gave us? We're not any more qualified than anybody else to speak out on this." But here's the thing: you're not less qualified either no, to you're say the anything. Same. Yeah, and I think there does come a point. Look, I'm not going to sit here and again. Well, I mentioned this the other day. I'm not going to sit here and try to tell everybody what the black experience is. I'm a 55-year-old white guy. What what can I talk about that? But I can say enough to to show that at some point, I think I have an obligation just to acknowledge that, look, I get it, and I'm with you, and I'm trying trying to understand Mm -hmm. how we can make this better for people of color. Like, just just that. But when you say things that are divisive, and look, I'm going to get in trouble for this, and I know people have, crushed me for this is we have people in leadership in this country going to the very top of the country this isn't a republican democrat thing this this is about just how about unite people let's Mm -hmm. let's try to figure this out so that we're not burning cities down right you know and it's it doesn't have like again it doesn't have to be a republican i remember after 9-11 rick yeah and you and i are both obviously and most people listening are old enough to remember i was scared of crapless after 9-11. I was too. I didn't vote for the guy who was president at 9-11. I'll admit that right up front. But you know what? He showed up, and I felt better when he showed up. Absolutely. You know? And we need people right now that are going to make us feel like we're getting somewhere. We're unifying each other. We're trying to fix a problem. And if you're not going to fix the problem, then get out of the way. And yeah. I hate to say I'm not comparing Trump with Drew Brees. But I'm kind of comparing Trump with Drew. Like, Drew Brees, you made it worse today. 
You made it worse with your comments. And one of them I think is intentional. The other one I think is tone deaf. But yeah. either way, it's it's not helping. And so and so maybe it's better to say to keep your mouth shut. The old, I don't know who said it. You know, right? Better to say nothing than to remove it's, all doubt yeah, that you're an did. idiot. To paraphrase, but right. yeah, um, it's you know. But I, maybe, I, I guess my point is, though, Rick, I do think a lot of us have an obligation just to instead of not saying anything, at least to acknowledge. Yeah. Don't don't act like you have the answer if you don't have the answer. Right. Uh, but just just almost like, you know, I this happens. Like, I think a lot of husbands who listen. I think I imagine a lot of men listen to this podcast more than women. I would hope so. And it would I'm happen. not hope so, but I would think. No, so. no, but you would expect so. one way or the other. But my wife all the time, like she'll complain about work or she'll complain about something that's going on, and a lot of times she doesn't want me to fix it. She just wants me to listen. Yeah. And just acknowledge that I hear her, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's the case. And that's and why the, you go around going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Exactly. And well, in this case, <laughs> you truly mean it. Like, you sit no, there and go, do. okay, uh, I yeah. understand. I, like I, I, Maybe I don't understand everything, but I hear you, and I'm going to try to help you. And what happens when um, you're Drew Brees and maybe you didn't understand or didn't want to hear Colin Kaepernick because you were so offended by the way he protested well, four years later, what do you have now? Are you listening now? It's never you too know? late to apologize, Rick. Rick, I, that's the way I've always felt like it. I mean, I think a lot of damage is done yeah. at this point. But if I think if I were advising Drew Brees, I would come out and just say, "I made a mistake." But he I had was, that chance, and he doubled down on it a bit. Well, and that's that's the troublesome part because I still don't think he gets it. Yeah. But. Uh, I mean, if you just say, "Look, I'm I'm sorry, and I'm going to listen to you, and I'm going to try," you know, what can I do? Right? How can I? How can I? How can I help make things better? Go to Michael Thomas. Like Michael Thomas, you need to go to him. You need to go to to uh, Malcolm Jenkins and just say and just say, "Well, tell me." Like, I'm going to shut up for a while. You guys talk and tell me how and tell me what I. Well, what if I need he to know. if he doesn't throw the ball to uh, Michael Thomas or Emmanuel Sanders, it's going to be a a long year for Drew Brees because those two guys. Are pretty much everything that uh, that he has to have. So, yeah, it just a, it was a, it was a it was a flash fire of a reaction um, to something a prominent athlete said, which I didn't expect or see coming. But man, it was uh, it was absolute and it was um, it was quick. So uh, I appreciate you know all of your perspective on it and. Uh, We've had these conversations before. Again, our our intention is not to offend anybody, but but to hopefully understand, you know, have some more understanding about this issue and 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 you know and and why so many people were upset about Drew Brees. If in fact you don't understand, I had somebody tweet at me. Um, well, what well, well what exactly did he say that you know that was so offensive? Of course, of course he. Um, can't see anybody, you know, kneeling for the national anthem or you know disrespecting someone. And you, again, I think that's why this podcast and and others like it are important um, to have kind of a long form discussion without the commercial breaks. That um, what this was really about and why why so many people like Malcolm Jenkins and others uh, were upset about it. So, from your perspective, I appreciate it. Before we let you go, though, I no, did I, I applaud just... you talking about it too, Rick. I think it's an important topic to talk about, and I know that. Look, I'm just a guest on this podcast. You and Steve. Oh, you started it. Thing. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, but you, I mean, this is you and Steve. I mean, you you guys are the ones that if people don't like it, no one's going to write me. They're going to write you. But I, I applaud True. you for at least, uh, you know, talking about something that because I think this is a moment, Rick, that no matter how long we live, we'll always remember this time. I, I yeah. hope yeah. I hope well, we do. I hope it, you remember it fondly. If, if we forget not... about this in two weeks, then oh, it was all for wrong. nothing. And that's yeah. horrible. Yeah, something worse will happen. Along those lines, and this is really inconsequential compared to what's going on, but it is part of the story. And you, uh, of course, have your daily newsletter on pointer.org, P-O-I-N-T-E-R.org. Uh, and look, uh, among the other people getting their heads bashed in out there, and there have been there have been policemen that have been injured, certainly protesters. Oh, by the way, journalists and their attempts to cover this um, pr- these protests – some have been detained, like mm-hmm. the two reporters for the Tampa Bay Times. Some have been injured, yep. and 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 some have been arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you make of sort of this overall? Um, I mean, is this unusual for protests? Is this 
Is there something going on here with the media that, because because I always thought, you know, we wear the badges around our around our right. chest, and I I suppose that somebody could create a badge and pretend to the media and get across police lines or whatever. I don't know, but what is happening even locally that you would have just reporters having you know zip ties on their hands? What's, what's going on? I think a couple of things, Rick. I, for starters, I. I think we all have to. I haven't been out to any of the protests. Mm-hmm. I can imagine, though, in a lot of situations, there's complete chaos in some sure. situations, particularly when things sure. start to get a little. And out the of curfews hand. hit, right? And, and the curfews hit, and people are charging, and there's a lot yelling, and it's loud. And yeah. I get, I understand there are probably times where the police aren't sitting there looking at people's like tags, right? You know, I'm not and taking they, IDs, yeah. Right, and they don't realize who are journalists and who are not journalists. You know, mm-hmm. typically though, journalists are not causing trouble. Like nobody's, you know, when they're not. No, but maybe they're stuff. not as quick. Maybe they're not as quick to leave at a curfew. I mean, right, I think this right. Was Which, by the way, part of the issue. They're they're not required to leave during in most states. They're not required mm-hmm. to leave. Curfews do not apply to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they're considered a central business or whatever. Um, so I think there's a there's a part of it of like, yes, yeah, sometimes they just get caught up. Uh, right. But there have been incidents where I think police have particular, especially targeted journalists. Um, we've you know, there was in Louisville, in Louisville, a journalist were fired at clearly the CNN guy. I mean, you, oh, yeah. you had to know on he was camera. a journalist on yeah. camera. And they're telling mm-hmm. them, like, look, where was CNN? And they slap the <laughs> handcuffs on him and, and walk him away. Uh, I do think there's a little bit to this rhetoric of enemy of the people that we've been yeah. hearing for the last three years that right. has filtered down to some people. Eventually, mm-hmm. um, this is going to, uh, I think, you know, it's going to have an Im- Those words have impacts. They, 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 they most certainly do. Now, is this the most important part of this story? We had this conversation to Pointer today. Where you try not to become the story. You try I mean, not to become the story. One, right? That's right. Yeah. And nobody wants to hear journalists whining because they got, you know, sat down, sat down for ten minutes, or yeah. even if they spent an hour in jail. But I, if you get injured, but if you get injured, that's another thing. But yeah. here's the here's why this story is important, Rick, for two reasons. One, if the police are going to treat journalists who can who have a platform this way imagine how they're treating people who don't have that platform That's a great point mm-hmm. and the other thing is and here's a, here's an old phrase that maybe people have seen it's a bit of a cliche but it's absolutely true mm-hmm. is and you've seen these signs around first they came for the journalists we don't know what happened after that. <laughs> and that's why it's important that journalists Free society yeah. are not detained why they're there to chronicle what's mm-hmm. going on uh, they're in a way, in a in a weird sort of way, they're kind of the police of the police. Like, yeah, they're they're observing what's going on, and vice versa. They're they're there to also show what the protesters might be doing. To that's right. Uh, to maybe antagonize the police in some cases, or so, in some cases, what the police are doing to try to calm the situation, like uh, marching with protesters, throwing their arms around them. Absolutely, there's a lot of good demonstrations of unity out there as well. Right. And and those have been amplified for people to yeah. say, oh, they're only showing the fires and the looting. That's that's not yeah. true. But yeah. I, I do think there's a disturbing trend here and, and why it's important that we talk about. Now, nobody wants, again, nobody wants to hear, and I don't think we should make a super big deal out of journalists and their No, no, their I just asked you about it because stories. that's what you do. No, but no, exactly. No, but, but there is it I, in I, your I, newsletter or not? Tough it guy. is. And the reason <laughs> it is, I, I think it's important because like I said, of that old phrase, like the first day came for the journalists and then nobody knows what happened after that. So it's, it's actually known as a promo in the business, Tom, <laughs> trying to is. tee you up here, buddy. No, no, no it's, it's good. No, no, I'm glad. I mean, we talk about that. I got a big newsletter. By the time you read this. Yeah. Or, or listen to this podcast. Yeah. All right. I'm going to drop some names on you now. Uh, I'll pick them lead, up. You know, I was the name dropper back in the day, but go ahead. My lead item in the Thursday morning Pointer newsletter, Pointer yes. Report newsletter, mm. I talked to Mr. Lester Holt. No, you didn't. Miss Nora O'Donnell. What? And Mr. David Muir. So I got all three you anchors. You got all three? All three anchors. Nailed them. Got them down. And I uh, got their comments on... What the mission is these days for the uh, nightly news, the evening news, which when we were kids, Rick, it was like the evening news was a big deal. Like, well, when, you, when we were kids, there were three stations. But yeah, I mean, right. basically. But, but now what people don't realize since coronavirus, like the most watched program on television in for, for the most of the past 
several months has been the ABC uh, World News Tonight. Has that it really? The most watched, like more than American so Idol. So network news, in a strange way, has benefited from this pandemic. People and are just... tuning in to get information about, especially. About, so the numbers are up. They're up sky high. So, so who is ABC now? That's uh, that's David Muir. He's on David ABC, Muir. Okay. and and uh, and of course, Nora O'Donnell is on um, CBS, CBS, and then Lester Holt is yeah. on NBC. So, uh, wow. so I got all. I talked to all three of them today, and uh, it's in or yesterday. Wait. You got them all on the same day. Yeah, yeah. You just pick up the phone and, and they and they call you back. Now, this man. <laughs> Holy I cow! I could. I, I can I tell get... you? I talked to Tom Brady one time in a group. It was a group Zoom. Well, what Tom you Brady's Zoom call? a bigger deal than everybody. Then Lester Holt, Nora yeah, Donald, Tom Brady, David man. Have you? By the way, just to to end up on a lighter. Have you seen the new Sam Adams commercials? With the no. with your cousin from Boston, it is they are <laughs> no. hilarious. Are about Brady leaving? Well, no, I, they should do something about Brady. But it's a guy who's at a you know he's a Boston guy. He's at a wedding and he's talking. Yeah, about, he's, giving, he's giving a toast and he's looking at the bride. He goes, "I'm just going to talk for everybody here. You're smoke. You look at smoke. A total smoke show right here, huh?" <laughs> but it's, yeah, your cousin from Boston. You're not better than me. <laughs> You're not better than Boston. me. You're not it's, better uh, than me. But it's it's uh, yeah. So Brady, yeah, Brady's a bigger deal than. Than everybody. I don't know if he's bigger than Lester Holt, Nora Donnell, or uh, David Muir. That's a pretty big deal to get all. Did he hit the trifecta there of news anchor? I mean, this is like uh, you'd have been calling Cronkite if you had this job years ago. I would have. I mean, it's unbelievable. I know. Yeah, they were the gospel back then. <laughs> but that's that's pretty good. That's uh, So that's in the newsletter on Thursday morning. So take a look at it, pointer.org, and uh, sign up for the newsletter. You get this kind of stuff every day. But I do Tommy, talk about journalists getting. Uh, Including two, like you said, two Tampa Bay Times yeah. uh, reporters got detained just for a few moments. You're a big deal, Tommy. You're a big deal, Tom Jones. Look at Tommy; he's a big deal over there. You're still not better than me. <laughs> You're not better than me. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thanks for three three podcasts. In I the love week. it. What I'll what more can these folks ask for except five? Let's go for five. <laughs> Let's do it. I'll do it next week. Whatever. All right, you like. buddy. Sounds right. good. Thanks Thank so much. You. We'll Thank talk you. to you. Hey, my thanks to Tom Jones. Great to have him for three shows this week. How about that? Maybe we'll get him for five next week, uh, as I said. Hey, uh, we're going to have a mailbag segment to wrap up the week. That's always an important one. I know you got lots of questions. Some of them are already coming in, but we got time for more. So all you have to do is submit those to us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. For Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great Thursday, everybody.